Remember that massive storm earlier this summer? A tremendous deluge of water just came so quickly. A seemingly unending storm that continues. Disappointed fans were instructed to seek shelter. Viaducts on the west side filled with water and stranded drivers. The big NASCAR race was canceled that day. And at least 19,000 people reported flooded basements in Chicago, Cicero, and Berwyn. Like, it was up to my knees in the alley. That's Pulsar Lee in Chicago's Pilsen neighborhood. Trash cans were floating. There were cardboard boxes floating. After the rain stopped, he went out to assess the damage. Like, there was trash everywhere, so my daughter and I cleaned it up. And then I realized, oh, this is probably dirty water, so I'd send my daughter back in. But I'm pretty sure there's something going on because every time there's a lot of rainfall, it reeks of sewage and trash uh, everywhere. After the flood, I was like, finally, you know, we can go back to life. But then I go and, and run and it's still like super stinky. And I can't run away from it because <laughs> it's throughout the whole jog. Concerned about the health effects of the smelly air and water and what the future may hold for Chicago, Pulsar wrote to Curious City with a question. Can you help explain this? Is Chicago's sewage system incapable of handling heavy rains? Pulsar wasn't the only one wondering about this. With climate change bringing more frequent and powerful storms in recent years, we've gotten a lot of questions about what that means for Chicago and the region. Like, what's really going on when city sewers back up into basements? Is all that money spent on deep tunnel even making a dent? And what, if anything, can be done to reduce the damage in the future? I'm Jessica Popovac, and on this week's Curious City, we're going to answer all of those questions. So put on your galoshes and stay with us. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I'd never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. I live in Portage Park on Chicago's northwest side. My neighborhood has been hit hard twice in the past year. Most of the people on my street had stinky standing water in their basements on July 2nd, and also during another storm in September of last year. And so people are frustrated. They're tired of throwing things out, sanitizing, rebuilding their basements. And the neighborhood chat groups have been full of conspiracy theories about what exactly is going on with the sewers. Who is asleep at the wheel? So, to clarify things and get some answers to our Curious City questions, we headed to a town hall held at Gray Elementary about a month after the July 2nd storms. Uh, welcome. And the sound system in the Gray Elementary gym wasn't great, so please excuse the quality. Patrick Jensen got to go first. Uh, for those of you, I know the screen's kind of small. If you need a crowd He's a senior engineer with the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, or MWRD. 
That's the agency that treats the region's sewage and releases it back into the rivers. It also oversees our massive deep tunnel system. We'll get into that more later. We have a six and a half foot sewer, a seven foot sewer, as well as a 12 by 12 sewer. Jensen started by explaining how our system works. So when you use your toilet, washing machine, uh, dishwasher, it'll go down into those major line sewers. And then those red See, all the city's wastewater, whether it's from your house, from factories, or even from rainwater runoff that flows along the streets and into the gutters, all of it goes into the same sewer mains running under the streets. It's called a combined sewer system. Combined sewer system takes both your rainwater and sewage in the same pipe. And the problem with that is that whenever we get a heavy rain, there's just too much water in those pipes. And so it creates a kind of gridlock. There's so much pressure in the system, it can even start flowing backwards. Representatives from the Department of Water Management were also there. They handle all the water flowing in and out of Chicago homes. So they manage the pipes that bring our sewage from under the street to the MWRD system. The water department had a lot of suggestions about what residents can do to help the system work more effectively. Here's John Gallagher with the water department. So we highly recommend that you disconnect your uh, downspouts, which would mean you, you would cut the downspout, um, you would cap the pipe in which it was flowing into to make sure... But residents at the town hall didn't seem too interested in hearing about what they should be doing. They wanted to know what the city is and isn't doing. You could feel the crowd getting a little irritated. My downspouts have been disconnected since 1999. Right. I flooded the first time. And I got flooded last year, this year. I got flooded back in 08. I got flooded in 09. But to begin fixing these problems, we need to understand what we're up against and why our combined sewer system is such an issue. There are two big factors working against us. First... Our city and suburbs have grown quite a bit, and wherever concrete and buildings cover the ground, the rainwater can't seep into the earth. Instead, it heads straight for the sewer pipes, where it mixes with our sewage and becomes contaminated. Second, with climate change, we're now experiencing heavier and more frequent rainstorms than in the past. And when that happens, it causes a kind of traffic jam in the system. We have a large amount of rain, falling on your roofs, roadways, parking lots, sending all that rain at a quick rate. And essentially, sometimes that local sewer system cannot convey that flow fast enough to prevent basement backups. Jensen calls it a conveyance problem. And if that sounds wonky, he's got a pretty good analogy to help you visualize what he means. Let's say you have your kitchen sink. You turn on your kitchen sink, water comes out of it, drains fine, no issue. But if you take a large pail of water and then dump it into your sink, that sink is going to overflow, not necessarily because the drain isn't working. It simply cannot handle that flow in that fast amount of time to prevent it from overtopping, which happened in a lot of our areas here on July 2nd. The MWRD says that the system gets overwhelmed whenever rainfall tops just two-thirds of an inch in an hour. That's right, less than an inch of rain overwhelms the system. So water backs up into basements, and when you flush the toilet or turn on the shower, that water has nowhere to go and ends up coming right back in too. 
But that's not all. The sewage and rainwater cocktail also overflows into area rivers. And when the rivers get too high, the MWRD opens the gates to Lake Michigan, releasing that cocktail. During the July 2nd storm, more than 1.1 billion gallons of contaminated water got released into the lake. So, essentially, what Jensen was trying to get across to the crowd that night was that it's not necessarily anyone's fault that sewage flows backward and into basements during heavy storms. It's just a matter of how the system was designed in a different century, under different circumstances. It's an uphill battle. No sewer system in the world could have handled the amount of rain that we got. Joel Vieira also works for the city water department. So the message is that climate change is here to stay, and we have to do our best that we possibly can to try to address some of these issues. So how do we address these issues? Well, there are no simple answers. The water department stressed a lot of the things residents can do to safeguard their homes. The gold standard is what's called an overhead sewer line. That keeps your sewer pipe at a higher elevation and pumps the water out, making it almost impossible for it to flow backward. But it can also cost you from fourteen to upwards of $20,000 per job. A cheaper option that runs between five and 8000 is called a check valve. That is basically a valve that only allows water to flow in one direction. But that has its own issues. Hi, I live on the 5200 block of West Bernie's. One Portage Park resident asked about this at the town hall. Her basement was flooded and several of her neighbors got the check valve. It's very expensive to put in, but we're considering making the investment. What would happen if half the block put in check valves to the other people that don't have them? Would that make the problem worse for uh, their basements? So basically, yes. Will Tabidi, also with the city water department, fielded her question. It's basically just passing it along. Our sewer system only has so much of capacity, just like the kitchen sink analogy. If everyone, you know, starts putting it in there, somebody's going to be left holding the bag. So the thing that might save your home creates an even bigger problem for your neighbor. And again, it will cost you thousands of dollars. At this point, the Q&A session got a little tense. People didn't want to hear a list of things they needed to pay for. They wanted to know what the city was going to do. You guys are responsible to keep the water out of my basement. If you're not going to be capable of doing that, then give me my tax money back and I'll put a check valve in. It's just that simple. Is there a question there? Yeah, there really is a question there. If the city is not capable of keeping the water out of our basements, why doesn't the city come up with a grant program to help homeowners pay for it? I'm a retired policeman. I don't have $8,000 to put in a check valve like all of my other neighbors are doing. I I don't have it. 21 years ago is the last time we had water in this neighborhood. Yeah. 21 years. In the last 18 months, we've had two basements flooding. Yep. What changed? You guys got to give us an answer, not technical stuff. What can be done? None of the answers satisfied the crowd because no one solution comes without some kind of caveat or significant cost. And while the city talks a lot about individual solutions, they aren't offering any assistance to help people pay for them. 
unlike our neighbors in Oak Park, Evanston, Morton Grove, and many other municipalities across the region that have cost-sharing or rebate programs. So ultimately, we'll end up in a city where the people who can afford flood mitigation are much better off than those who don't have the money to invest. The storms and the floods and the sewer backups are going to keep coming. So what solutions are going to help us make Chicago more flood resilient for everyone's sake? And what are our leaders and representatives doing and not doing to support those efforts? That's after the break. Chicago was built along a maze of rivers and marshy wetlands. And frankly, flooding has been an issue since day one. We've dreamt up some big, ambitious schemes to control the water, to keep it confined to our rivers and lakes, and keep it out of our streets and homes. We raised buildings to lay the original sewer pipes on solid ground. Then we reversed the flow of the Chicago River away from the lake to protect our source of drinking water. And in 1975, we began construction on the Tunnel and Reservoir Plan, known as Deep Tunnel. It's more than 100 miles of giant tunnels that lie below the city sewer systems and carry away excess water to three massive reservoirs. The idea is that During heavy rains, Deep Tunnel can divert and hold on to sewage and runoff until wastewater treatment plants have a chance to catch up. At that point, the contaminated water can be sent over at a rate the plants and the river can handle. When it was initially conceived, the chief engineer for what is now the MWRD called it, quote, a total solution to the flood problem. It's the country's largest public works project for pollution and flood control and has already cost $3.8 billion. With the three reservoirs online, it can hold more than 11 billion gallons of water. But today, workers are blasting through rock and creating a fourth giant pit to hold another 6.5 billion gallons. Patrick Jensen of the MWRD tried to put it in terms Chicagoans can understand. You want to give a perception of how big six and a half billion gallons is, you can actually take one soldier field and put three of them side by side and then another three soldier fields on top of that to fit inside this reservoir. If you took that reservoir and you tipped it on its end, it's actually taller than the Sears Tower or Willis Tower. It's a good thing, too, because one of those reservoirs actually filled up on July 2nd. Still, there's no question that Deep Tunnel has significantly reduced flooding and pollution since it went online in 1981. The MWRD claims that damages could be more than $180 million worse per year without it. But try telling that to a person with a flooded basement. So three reservoirs online and another on the way. Will that be enough? Well, some of the first 10 years I was at the district, I was involved in the planning of the TARP mm-hmm. project. That's Dick Lanyon. He worked at the MWRD for 28 years and retired as executive director in 2010. He's also written four books on the region's complicated relationship with water. So uh, this has kind of been something that I've lived with uh, over my career. 
I visited him at his home in Evanston because I wanted to ask him, even when crews are done building this fourth reservoir, won't we still have that conveyance problem? I mean, as we learned, sometimes there's just too much rain going into the system, and it already can't get to the tunnel fast enough to save our basements. His answer kind of surprised me. TARP, the tunnel and reservoir plan, was never sold as a complete solution. So, yeah, we spent $3.8 billion for a partial solution. What it did provide is an outlet for local sewer systems. You have to get the water from where the rain falls to the tunnel for it to be of any help. And that's the biggest problem we have. A lot of communities just have not upgraded their sewer systems to provide that conveyance capacity. In Chicago, like most municipalities, the city owns and manages the local sewer lines. The MWRD just manages the intercepting sewers that either carry the sewage the rest of the way to its treatment plants or during a storm to the deep tunnel first. The sewers have to be maintained periodically inspected by closed-circuit TV cameras and cleaned. Any failures have to be repaired. That made me wonder, in the city of Chicago, how often are our sewer lines inspected or repaired? I contacted the water department to get their inspection schedule and results over the past seven years, but I was told that they don't keep records of where they inspect and what the results of those inspections are. So I got on the phone with Water Commissioner Dr. Andrea Chang and Deputy Managing Commissioner Matt Quinn. They told me they look at hydraulic modeling to try to identify problem areas, but they don't really go out and proactively do regular inspections. Here's Matt Quinn. So when we do our inspections and and cleanings, we do rely on our customers to notify us of any potential uh, problems with the system. It is something that we do based on customer-related complaints. Okay. If there's just an area that hasn't been inspected in a while, will you send inspectors out or is it all just it requires a a resident to see a problem above ground or in their system? We do call what we call a grid cleaning program. Two to three crews dedicated to doing that every day. They work their way in every geographical area. We try to do that about every 10 to 15 years. We do have 4,500 miles. Okay, but this kind of concerned me. First of all, how many people know to file a 311 request with the city to have their sewer inspected? Also, when I went to the 311 site, it claims that the city does regular inspections. It says on the website, though, that it's every few years. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to change that on the website. I don't, I don't know that we've ever had it every three years. I, you know what I think might be every three years is it's the downtown business area. Mm. Sometimes we have additional... Because it is so very congested, we do that on a different schedule. I asked an engineer with the MWRD about best practices for municipal sewer systems. And he told me that the rule of thumb is to inspect every five years or so, depending on how flood-prone the area is. To be fair, there are other things the city is doing well. They've installed what are called restrictor valves on most city streets, to help water flow into the sewer a little more slowly when it really pours. The idea is that it's better to have water on the street than in the basement. 
Of course, a lot of residents don't like having water on the street, and the department says in some places folks have removed them. But that's one thing. The big investment started back in 2012 when Mayor Rahm Emanuel launched his infrastructure improvement plan. Back then, the city aimed to repair 750 miles of sewer lines, and they hit that number at the end of last year. But still, that's only about 17% of the system so far. Dr. Andrea Chang says that long-term, they're also designing and hoping to get funding for large-scale tunnels that would help get Chicago's sewer and stormwater to deep tunnel more quickly. It is very large-scale. It's in the billions of dollars. We are moving into phase two, which is the final design. But we are still seeking federal and state assistance for the funding of the construction. And then, of course, they're educating residents about what they can do to help keep stormwater out of the sewers in the first place. Disconnecting downspouts, installing rain barrels to retain water. And not pave every bit of their yard. Like, that is going to be huge. But we need to tell people that, right? It's on us to make sure, and and, and MWRD, that we're communicating that to people that we're not trying to pass the buck. We have our own projects we're working on, too. But if we can get people to be mindful about it, it's going to it's something they can do right now. Right. The MWRD has been putting out the same messaging and they're investing millions of dollars in making it happen. It's all part of a push to install what's called green infrastructure, natural efforts to capture water locally before it hits sewers and either store it or let it soak into the ground. It includes things like building rain gardens, using native plants, ripping up impermeable pavement, and replacing it with permeable surfaces. North Riverside has been hit hard with flooding over the years. And so with funds from the NWRD, they're now ripping up more than 70,000 square feet of asphalt at their village government headquarters and replacing it with permeable pavement. I'm watching these huge sheets of asphalt just be broken up by a gigantic excavator, like a sheet of ice on the top of a pond. John Minetti is the resident engineer with Novotny Engineering, and he's overseeing the project. So at the end of the day, this lot, the the whole entire project can hold about 538,000 gallons of rainwater at a time. In other words, Every time it rains, 538,000 gallons of rainwater are going into the ground instead of the sewer. The MWRD has more than 220 projects like this right now throughout the region in some phase of design or construction. And they do a lot of other small-scale things, like deliver cheap rain barrels to anyone who wants one. But in Chicago, I couldn't find much green infrastructure actually being built, at least not currently. There was a surge of momentum in the final years of the Richard M. Daley administration. But since then, plans have been sporadic and small-scale. The Department of Transportation advertises their Green Alley program on their website. They've installed just over 400 blocks so far, but that's a drop in the bucket considering we have 1,900 miles of alleys in the city. I talked with Nicole Chavas. She's president and COO of Greenprint Partners, a sustainable planning and civil engineering firm based in Chicago. And she's worked with cities across the region. So I would say Chicago doesn't have as necessarily as clear of a vision uh, and a plan for how to bring green infrastructure 
into our approach in a real meaningful way uh, to manage stormwater and, you know, mitigate the impacts of climate change. But we have the, like, we have had the vision. I've seen the reports, like the green urban design plan that came out of like two years of conversations and working groups under the Daly administration. Yeah. There was also Daly's 2008 Climate Action Plan and Lightfoot's Climate Action Plan. But none of these have been executed in any meaningful way. It seems like every 10 years there's a new plan, and it's very exciting. There was a similar plan in the Emanuel administration. Another green infrastructure plan got put out, and it also subsequently went on the shelf. And I think that's maybe where the, the challenge has been. Nicole says nobody wants to implement a plan they didn't come up with themselves. But... She says it's not hopeless. Other places have figured it out. I I will say other Midwestern cities like Milwaukee are really far ahead of us when it comes to green infrastructure. You know, Milwaukee has made really clear plans, has a clear vision, and has put in place millions of gallons worth of stormwater storage with green infrastructure. Chicago has such a long history of big engineering projects We reversed the Chicago River. We built the deep tunnel. And green infrastructure isn't nearly as sexy or as big and bold. It's a whole bunch of tiny projects that require investment from everyone on every block in every neighborhood. It's a cultural shift, really. At a city council hearing last week, Professor Rachel Haverlock from the University of Illinois Chicago's Freshwater Lab had some new ideas, like planting more trees and building curbside micro-wetlands to hold water. She also reminded everyone of those air quality alerts over the summer that were impossible to ignore. They became a call to action, encouraging everyone to adjust their behavior to reduce risk. What if we attach that same level of urgency to floods? People need to hold their household water use when it is raining. Immediately, anybody in an area that's flooding, their phone should alight and buzz. In conjunction with a big campaign, billboards, public service announcements for people to begin to understand that any water put into the system during a rain event can resurface in your household. The thing is, it's not going to be one project that saves us. It'll take several projects, several individual acts. Dick Lanyon again. We're always going to have to deal with flooding in the Chicago area because that's just the nature of the land here. It's prone for flooding. You've got to get involved. You've got to speak your mind. You've got to advocate for the sensible solutions and not expect the problem to go away. It remains to be seen if Mayor Brandon Johnson's administration will put forth yet another plan to tackle Chicago's flooding problem. But maybe this time, the climate crisis has become real enough that we can finally get beyond the research and planning stage. There's a lot that people can do to protect their homes and make the region more resilient. We've put a number of those resources on our website, wbez.org slash curiouscity. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Dassault. Adriana cardona Magigad is Curious City's reporter. Maggie Civet is the digital and engagement producer. Susie Ann is our editor. 
Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. I'm Jessica Popovac. Thanks for listening. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.